Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com Welcome to NapaBroadcasting.com. For most communities, education and law enforcement are the two biggest expenses. Often these are even in inverse proportion between the two. As we go into this election season, we will be voting on both jails and classrooms. It's important that we get a running start in understanding and affirming the educational part of this equation. Here to start this conversation today, I'm joined by Patrick Sweeney, the superintendent of the Napa Valley Unified School District, and Don Evans, who is the chief of facilities and construction for NVUSD. I thank them both for coming in here today. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure you. to be here. Great to have you here. I want to start with you, Patrick, and talk a little bit about demographics. Um, not too long ago, David Morrison, the county planning director, was in here, and he and I were talking about the changing demographics of Napa County, and certainly you know, part of that is less and less kids. We're seeing uh, a lot of things changing in the county in terms of second homes in, in, in different places, and even in, in part of Napa that really mitigates against more enrollment in the schools. Talk a little bit about the studies that the district has done, what the demographers have told you, and what the picture really looks like. Thanks, Jeff. It's interesting that Napa County is obviously has different communities. And in the north, Calistoga and St. Helena, I think it's true what you're saying about the changing demographics. As you head more to the middle of the county and the south part of the county, it's, it's interesting because in American Canyon, we have growth. And there's a development that wants to come in called Watson Ranch. They're putting their approvals in for the city, and we'll, decide if, we'll find out what the city decides in American Canyon. But that's 1,253 homes, and we know that will generate uh, students for our schools down there, and there, there will be overcrowding in American Canyon. In Napa, it's, it's a little different. You're right that some of the home prices and some of the people that want to move into Napa are uh, a little older generation and ha- don't have young children. However, we're seeing over 10 years, a 10 years demographics, that there is some building going on with the Gasser project with some possible um, developments coming in the south part of the city of Napa that will stabilize enrollment. It will drop in the elementary in the, in the short term, but we think as time goes on, it'll climb back up. And if you remember... Five years ago, when our kindergartners were, were born, we were in the middle of the, the Great Recession, and that was 2010-11, and we're in just the spring of 2016. So we did see a drop last year and this year, mm-hmm. and there'll be a bit of a drop, but not a significant drop over time. Right. It'll come back. How significant do you think the drop will be? What do your numbers tell you in terms of looking at NVUSD looking 10 years or so down the road? Well, in the elementary, there is a short-term uh, drop over the next few years, but it's going to climb back up. Right now, for example, we have 8,185 elementary students, and by the year 2025, we'll be back up to 8,000, almost 400 students. So they'll they'll climb back up within the next 10 years. Um, at the middle and high, we're pretty stable, and uh, but there is a short-term drop uh, for the next couple of years. And, Don, talk about what this means in terms of facilities, but more specifically, the shifting demographics. Are we going to be needing more facilities in certain areas? We would talk, Patrick was talking about American Canyon certainly being a growth area. Are we going to have to shift around where our facilities are, essentially? Right now, the pressure on Napa Valley Unified is at the middle school level, six, seven, eight. Um, We have an overcrowded situation at Redwood and over at Harvest slash River Charter School. 
and uh, Silverado is setting with less students, but that's where the growth is going to be. It services the southeast quadrant of Napa, and that's where we anticipate additional homes being developed and developments such as the Gasser Foundation's operation along Sosco. There's a lot of land for infill in that southeast quadrant. Going back to the middle school, however, um, we need to do a little shifting. Right now, the kids that live right next to Harvest Middle School walk to Kiwanis Ballpark, get on a bus, and are bus to Silverado. They could walk to Harvest if there was room for them, but there's not. So ideally, if we could get the River School out of there, we could take those students and balance the load and create a situation that will allow Silverado to absorb the additional students that are coming our way. So part of our plan is to, with the consolidation of Salvador and El Centro onto the El Centro campus, vacating the Salvador campus, we can move River to that location, allowing students to go back into Harvest and shift a little bit between Harvest and Redwood which consistently stays in there at a high number all the time uh, through all the years why it just doesn't fluctuate much. Talk a little bit, uh, either one of you, about Harvest because it was really designed for a larger population. Then that population was smaller for a while. It really was not at capacity. What's happened? What's changed in that area? Well, two things. One, of course, we have a regular 678 Harvest Middle School, and then we have the River Charter School, which, of course, is 678 also. Put those two together, and we have well over 1,200 students on that campus. Ideally, a middle school campus should be somewhere between 850 and 1,000. So we're pushing. Things have changed. You're right. Years ago, when I went, I went to Ridgeview, as it was called then, why we had, you know, 1,200 students on there, but it's a different type of instructional program than today. We have more specialized programs, more support services, uh, just a lot of needs that create additional facilities in terms of supporting that. Uh, so that's why you, we feel the crunch at Harvest slash River. Um, but if we, you know, we have two administration buildings, we only need one if we have one grade there, or one mm -hmm. school there. So you move that out and you gain more space that way. So that will give the relief that uh, Harvest needs to absorb those additional students and perhaps bring some back from Redwood to allow them to drop perhaps 100 or 125 students that will give them a little relief also. Talk a little bit about American Canyon and what the pressures are there, right. where the need is. The pressure at American Canyon is at both the elementary and the middle school. At the elementary, uh, basically Highway 29 splits the community. We presently have two elementary schools on the west side and one on the east side. We have enough students almost for two schools on each side. When Watson Ranch comes on board, we'll definitely have the need to have greater capacity on the east side of Highway 29 since Watson Ranch is located behind the Walmart uh, store down there. By putting a, uh, a fourth elementary down there, we'll be able to balance the load between both sides. Presently, we only have one middle school, and it is our smallest in terms of acreage, yet it has well over a 1,000 students. And we're putting relocatables in this coming summer. We're going to add three more relocatables to the middle of the campus. We dropped two of them in last year. Uh, you know, it, it's a growing situation that uh, needs to be addressed as soon as possible. When you get that many kids in a confined area, special middle school age, why uh, it gets a little exciting on that campus from time to time. So we acquired the land. When we bought the land for the high school in American Canyon, we acquired the 17 acres for a future middle school just east of the new high school down there. Mm -hmm. And that's where the proposed middle school will be built, the second one down there. 
And what is the capacity at the moment for the high school and how much room for expansion is there there? The school was designed for 2,200 students, and we have presently, I'm going to say 1,600, but let me just double check here to see if we... Yeah, we're just under 1,600 students there. So you can see that we have you know, room for 600 students there. Mm -hmm. Clearly, we'll be able to handle that, and that's without adding any additional building, et cetera, just going with what was built mm -hmm. when the school was opened. When we look at all of this district-wide, how many of these adjustments, how many of these shifts to adjust the changing demographics and population require new building versus just expanding and adjusting existing facilities? I mean, obviously, you're talking about a new facility, a brand-new middle school in American Canyon. Right. And we're talking about a new elementary school in American okay. Canyon. In Napa, we're talking about a new elementary school in the southeast quadrant. It may be a K-8 instead of a K-5, depending on how many no what the numbers are that we get out of perhaps Napa Pipe, the Gasser Foundation development, and the other residential areas around there. We're flexible on that. The school could either be a K-5 or it could be a K-8, depending on uh, what the numbers are. But we need that number for sure. Uh, you don't want to ask elementary kids to walk across the river, and there's no room at Alta Heights. Mm -hmm. The only other school out there then would be all the way out at Mount George, which is, of course, not a able. You can't walk to that school, and it's more difficult, and it's a very small site. So clearly we need another school in that area to address the future growth that will come our way. We're seeing a lot of affordable housing being built in the Imola area. Just recently, another one was approved by the city. So those that type of housing generates more kids uh, per occupied um, residential unit mm -hmm. than you might find in a single-family detached home. The other problem that impacts, and I'm curious what the relationship is when you're looking at growth, you're talking about the southeast quadrant or the Imola area in general, is the condition of snow schools since the earthquake. How does that fit into this picture? Well, we have three schools uh, like snow. Snow clearly has now, as a result of seismic work that we did there, we've identified the fault line comes up Foster Road, just past the basically the front of the school. Uh, we would be required to move that school east to get it far enough away from the fault line. Basically, all of the permanent buildings at Snow are too close to the now known fault line, which was not known back when they built the school in the early 50s. Uh, is there? Could I interrupt you one second, Don? sure, Patrick? Is is there a requirement to move away from the fault line? Is there some some legal issue or state issue with respect to this, or is this simply just a health and safety common sense issue at this point? Well, the state. Uh, it's interesting how the state approaches it. They say we cannot add any buildings, we cannot do any improvements on it because it has a fault mm -hmm. underneath it, earthquake fault beneath it, but they do not force us to leave the campus. Mm -hmm. So. Um, in American Canyon, as Don said, it's going to be growing. The developers are going to help pay for those new schools. Napa Junction Elementary School is right on the top of a fault line, and we can't add portables to add more students there, so we, we're going to be moving off for the right. overall safety of the students and staff and even parents that use the campus. Right. It's an interesting approach that if you're there, it's okay, but you can't add anybody. Correct. Well, but I, and I think, you know, Jeff, it's important to note that we can sit here and we can say that, but remember, the Board of Education is the final authority, and we're putting an awful lot of responsibility on an elected board that, you know, they do their very best. And certainly, um, you know, we feel those schools are safe today, 
but we also experienced for the first time in the history of any of us a 6.0 earthquake. When we had the 5.2, we hardly even recognized it in Napa. Mm-hmm. The 6.0 did things differently than we'd ever seen. Uh, overall, around the world, earthquakes are more severe than they've ever been. I think, you know, prudence would say, you know, take a serious look at that and be sure that you place your students and staff in the safest environment. And I think that's why we're here today and why we polled the voters. And the voters, the first thing on their list was put those children and teachers in the safest place possible. And so they were basically saying to us, you know, rebuild those schools further away from the fault line. They recognized that. We here in Napa saw that firsthand in our homes, and we saw it at the schools. Are there any schools that would be potentially closing under these scenarios? Either one of you. No. I mean, we, we need all of those schools for capacity that we have now. Uh, you know, could there be some consolidation down the road? Maybe. We're always looking at ways that we might be able to consolidate schools. But as of this moment, it's not there. But that's not to say that we don't have some smaller schools that might allow us to do that down the road. But uh, not today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for certain, snow needs to be there. Snow is at capacity and over. Uh, Napa Junction is the same way. We've had to move kids away from Napa Junction when they need there. The charter school Stonebridge could possibly be relocated to another site if we could find one available to do so. Right. They're out at Carneros. That's right. right. Those that yeah, and the old smaller elementary right. school that was out there. Right. To what extent can some of these schools, you mentioned all the heights before, be added onto it with added capacity given that some of them really are on large parcels of land? Interesting. Uh, that's not the case. In the areas where we have the need, Alda Heights is sitting on about five to six acres, and you know here in Napa, that's five to six acres of rock on the side of a hill. So there's no way to expand that school. Phillips is at capacity. It's at 600 plus. Uh, so, you know, and you don't want an elementary school larger than about 600 to 650. That's the ideal size. When you get beyond that, you get into similar troubles as you would at a middle school if you push it to 1,200, et cetera. Patrick, talk to that. Why, why is that? I mean, in, in theory, it's compartmentalized and certain kids stay together and you have different classrooms. I mean, why is there a, a ceiling on, on an ideal capacity? Well, I think it's about quality versus quantity. And we're not an industry that, you know, packs them in. We're, we try and <laughs> we can try and educate our young people. You have the size of the library. You have the size of the cafeteria. You have the size of the, the playground area. And you want enough space so that people, young people can play, have fun, and they're not on top of each other. Um, 600 is a great number because you can divide it by in 24 in a class and they can go to 30 or 32 in a class. Um, so the, the spread is, would be four, four classes of kindergarten and three classes of fourth and fifth grade. So it's a nice, it's a nice number to manage groups because you want to try and have your groups be even. Um, when I say even, the same number of students that would go up through, matriculate up from kindergarten to first grade to second grade, up into fifth grade, to have numbers that are manageable in the class. Um, you have supervision issues with staff. Um, frankly, for a principal to be supervising 600 students, that's a lot of work. And mm-hmm. once you go above that number, then you're having to add an assistant principal or other staff. Is there any, Don, is there any land acquisition required as a result of all of these various projects? You mentioned American Canyon land has already been acquired as part of the, the high school purchase. Right. Uh, the uh, The elementary school, the district is negotiating right now 
with the developer of the Watson Ranch to provide a 10-acre site right. for that school. Napa Junction, however, is a school site that we can't move the buildings away from the earthquake fault. It diagonally goes right through the site. Mm-hmm. So I can't get far enough away no matter where I move the building. So we will have to acquire a 10-acre site uh, somewhere in American Canyon that uh, is far enough away from the earthquake fault that kind of goes diagonally through the city and out between Highway 29 and the high school and head out towards Vallejo and Benicia. Uh, and there is some land down there along the western edge that would be suitable for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the land that we would have to acquire. We also actually have additional land that we actually are going to be selling that we don't need any longer as a result of better demographics than we had 60 years ago mm-hmm. when various land was purchased by the boards at that particular time. And, uh, you know, we'll be selling those pieces of property to provide additional income to help us meet our needs in terms of our 10-year facilities master plan. Patrick, what impact does all this have in terms of personnel? Is it going to create, I mean, as this all gets built out, as all the things Don's talking about happens, is it going to create a significant additional personnel need, or is it working pretty much within the, the framework that, that exists now? We work the within the framework. Yeah, all, it's all based on students. If we have a certain amount of students, we hire a certain amount of teachers. We have a formula for a certain amount of office staff, custodial staff, and, and administrators. So, um, no, the building won't really affect the personnel. And all the dollars that the voters, if they support Measure H, will go to facilities, will not go to any salaries, not teacher salaries, no administrator salaries. It only goes to the building uh, and the repair of these seismic issues that we have and, and the safety and improvements that we want to make. Talk a little bit about athletic fields and, and, and how that's progressing, how that fits into this equation, how you're working with the city, Don, in terms of, of one, its park facilities that exist already, some of the new things that hopefully will happen as a result of Kennedy Park and soccer fields happening there, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I've been around Napa since 1953, and um, the city of Napa itself doesn't have enough recreational facilities. Many communities do, we don't. Back in the early 50s, there was an agreement, basically a handshake was made, right. Right, between the city and the school district. It wasn't even the unified district at the time to let the school district carry the majority of the uh, recreational lands for turf and soccer, and soccer wasn't even a sport at that particular time. But in particular, since soccer has come along and we continue to have the softball and the little league and all that the pressure has been on both the city and the school district to come up with additional facilities for recreation Um, we only can provide it if we have a school there we don't go out and build fields just in the middle of land that we might own the city has attempted to do that and is trying to do it now with kennedy parks expansion but clearly based on what we see each year from the parents that have children that are of age for soccer, Little League, et cetera. There aren't enough facilities. The added need we also have for the first time is the last six to ten years, there's been a tremendous amount of need for young adults and soccer in particular. Mm -hmm. Uh, You drive around our town now, and when we put in the all-weather fields, as we did about six years ago, uh, lights are on now. Uh, you don't see that in this, on the city fields, but you see them on our fields. Uh, and that's because the need is there. And we, we, as a good neighbor in our community, try our best to ensure that our facilities will be there for the community. But at the same time, life is taken out of those fields. And so you have to put some back into it as you play a little more than might be anticipated. 
if we could lock the gates at three o'clock every afternoon, our facilities would last probably two or three times longer. But that's not what we intend to do, nor do we want to do that. Yeah, I just if I could just ahead, add about the course. facilities, you know, it's it's amazing the vision of the school board, and it was even before I came to uh, to really have quality facilities. Our our middle schools are used constantly. The gymnasiums are being used, and the and the altar fields. I was driving by a middle school on the weekend. It was pouring rain. And there were soccer teams playing in the middle of the rain. And then I drove to a different school and I saw other kids playing soccer. So by having these all-weather uh, fields, the city, the community, our families are able to use our facilities not only in the summer months or the nice months, but during the winter. So it's it's a great community service that we're providing. It, it, it's a hypothetical situation, but I mean, it goes back to this original decision that was made many years ago that you were talking about, Don. If the city took more responsibility in this area, if the city increased its facilities, if the city, you know, made more of an effort, would it take some of the pressure off the district? Would it help you guys? Well, first of all, being a longtime resident of Napa, I'm not sure the city has that option anymore. There aren't those field spaces available. If, if we said to them, we're going to lock our gates, you need to create some fields, I can't imagine where they would do that. I think we've pretty well, they've earmarked those spaces that they have. Uh, in most cases, their fields, except for Kennedy Park, uh, are just small neighborhood fields. They're not suitable for, you know, right. soccer or uh Little League or anything like that, and, and we, they don't have the land. I mean, the community has developed to a point now where it's hard to find a five-acre spot, right. almost impossible. Uh, we couldn't find a school site within the city of Napa, you know, and, and that's why we ended up, fortunately, negotiating with the Napa Pipe Forks for a 10-acre site, which will be part of a, the, an annexation. Otherwise, it would not have been there. I mean, we've looked at it. It's just not there, and for the same reasons, the city would not be able to do it. Patrick? Yeah, and I think, I think Don, I think <clears throat> the school district has been a great partner with the city of Napa and the city of American Canyon and the, and the community of Yauntville. We, we have these facilities for the community. We, would, we think that if the taxpayers have helped support the schools over the years, then they have a right to use the facilities. And so we have very uh, open policies about using our facilities, classrooms, um, cafeterias, multipurpose rooms, athletic fields, and, and gymnasiums, and including swimming pools that are used when we're not using them. And as long as, um, you know, we have an agreement that people take care of things and they're respectful, then we want people to use our facilities. Talk a little bit about the degree to which, we talked about snow school a minute ago in Napa Junction, the degree to which a lot of this is due to the earthquake. How much is really due to facilities that have to be repaired because of the earthquake or changed because of the seismic situation versus all the other things that need to be done? We have about $114 million in the $269 million bond that we're asking the voters to support that will go directly into replacing and or repairing because of seismic situations that exist at Snow, Napa Junction, Stonebridge, Napa High, Vintage High School, West Park, Valley Oak, the list goes mm -hmm. on. Uh, it was identified before the earthquake that we had some seismic issues. The state went through all schools in the state of California and identified schools that were built at a time when it was questionable whether the engineering would withstand today's requirements. That's the key. When they were built, they met the seismic requirements. Mm -hmm. But today, because of the more severe earthquakes, the better knowledge they have with the type of movement the buildings will go encounter with an earthquake, 
they've identified those. And we were in the process, we had evaluated, and we were in the process of addressing that when the August 2014 earthquake came, and suddenly we were going beyond what had been thought to be a problem. Now we identified it truly was there and went beyond it because at the time the schools were built, those three, there was no idea that the South Napa Fault ran through there. So close to half, I guess, of what we're asking right. for seismic. What does the situation look like if for any reason the bond doesn't pass? What is plan B? Well, let me tell you this. Maybe, maybe you've heard of Hernan Cortez. Hernan Cortez was a Spaniard who they knew that there might be riches in gold with the Aztec Indians. And when he brought his Spanish on the ships to Mexico to look for that gold, he burned his ships. In other words, there was no other option except to move forward. And that's what we've got to do, Jeff. We've got to ask voters to think about what the needs of this community are, how the education is an economic driver, that the better educated our students are, the better jobs they're going to get, the better taxes they'll pay, and the better this community will become. They'll be, become more educated voters, and we have a big election ahead of us uh, on the national scene, but for California, we want educated voters to make good decisions. So we've got to do everything we can to pass this. Mm-hmm. I'd like to just say, Jeff, that I think in all the years that I've been associated with the school district, and this goes back before unification, Napa has always had what people consider to be one of the better educational systems as far as K-12. People wanted to move to Napa, not just for the grapes and the things they do today, but way back in the 60s and 50s, 60s, 70s, people were coming here because of what we offered, that quality education. Uh, when we talked earlier about the 600 students, we people were in cities, etc., and they didn't like that. You know, there was just asphalt jungles, if you will. There was no turf for kids to run on, etc., that is, that's a different story than what we have in Napa. And I believe, you know, I grew up here, my sister did, our kids did. Uh, it's that quality of education that... You have a grandson in our school. And I have a grandson in our school. <laughs> you know, parents appreciate that. And, and even today, perhaps the senior individuals who are grandparents of children, you know, they appreciated when they moved here and their children went through it and now their grandchildren are here, you know, you know, I don't want to belabor the word unique, but we are somewhat unique in that uh, we offer a way of life for our younger people that uh, a lot of communities aren't able to offer. And that's important or the people wouldn't be here today. Do you think the district, this is sort of an aside, Patrick, does a good enough job telling its story about being unique in, in some of these ways that, that Don is talking about and you and I have talked about in the past many well, times? Well, I think it's an ongoing story. You know, I think I think for the parents of the, our children, they they see it every day when their child comes home mm-hmm. happy. They've had a joyful day, and they've learned some good stuff. And I think that uh, we do probably need to work on communicating to the greater Napa community, the Napa County community, about the great things happening in our classrooms. I think I think I've seen the newspaper come around to some events where we're, we're um, going to have a ribbon cutting for a wellness center in American Canyon. We just had one last Thursday at Harvest Middle School. There was a great turnout there by students and parents and community members. And um, we heard some vintners were down at American Canyon Middle School today looking at that because it's a collaboration. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying to get the word out. But yes, we, we can always do a better job of communicating to the, the larger population, especially our, re- our retired grandparents who might have children in our schools. 
How comprehensive, finally, are, are all of these needs at this point? In other words, are we looking at potential needs five years from now, six years from now, if all of this passes, gets done, done? It will take 10 years to mm-hmm. you know, complete the projects that are identified. I'm look, revising right now the, uh, the facilities master plan based on the decision by the board you know, a week ago last Thursday. Uh, you know, taking into consideration it's now 369 and what we may be able to put into it. Uh, the need hasn't changed, but we wanted to be sure we included the priorities. When I went to school here and when you went to school, we never thought about having to potentially fence our schools or put security cameras in. Now today, that's an important thing. Parents are asking for it, and we recognize it because of what's happening on our schools. They, they rated that right behind the earthquake. They wanted to see that in our schools, and that goes from elementary right on through high school. Um, it, it's a different world today. Yeah, there's, we still, there's something depressing about that. I'm I know. I, I recognize that, but it's also that's what parents want, though. But, no. it, but it's, Don, it's so interesting to hear you say that. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's it's important because as I visited all the schools this last fall, as we started talking a little bit about the potential bond, that was the first thing people said, and they told me stories about things that were happening around their schools that never happened before. The police do a super job of helping us, but it's still out there. And uh, they just, they want the best for their children, but they also want to be sure they're in a safe environment. And that's our job to recognize that and to do what is necessary to ensure that safety is there. So when they drop them off, they know they can come back in the afternoon and they'll be ready to go home. I was just going to say, Don has visited, literally visited every school and met with the principal, teacher leaders, and parent leaders um, about the facility needs at their school. And if this bond does pass, then every school will have some kind of improvement made to it, whether it's um, infrastructure needs. We talked about seismic infrastructure needs, whether it's modernized some old facilities that we have, or whether it's just improving the, the um, technology, the infrastructure for, um, for better use for technology. Where does technology fit into this? Because certainly that, that's an ongoing need, and, and that's not a 10-year project because whatever you do next week is going to be outdated in three years, four years max. Our bond is addressing the infrastructure, what's behind the walls and in the walls. We're not going to be buying computers and things like that that are going to be wore out in three years mm-hmm. or less. Uh, but there's a tremendous need now to change in the way teachers instruct in the classroom we don't have those connection points where they need to be we don't have the speed that they need now in order to run the various types of uh, projectors and uh, items are there i mean my grandson as patrick said is at west park you know and he does a faster job on a computer than i do i mean these little guys are just amazing you know nothing frightens them you know i always take a care for look what will happen if i press this <laughs> they just do it you know uh, that's, they're just like sponges they absorb that so quickly so it's important for us to do that because of course in the when they get to be a a graduate why that's the world that they're going to go into more so than it was when i graduated and regarding just to add to what don so don it's clearly said that the infrastructure for technology will be addressed in in separate funding general what we call general fund the ongoing operational mm-hmm. funding it um our business official told us it's going to be about 800,000 a year that we have to dedicate for technology. laptops right and iPads and renewing those or replacing those it's about 800,000 a year because they do go out after 3 to 5 years right i mean it's an, that's an ongoing battle right, right so we are committing more general fund dollars to that Right. Separate from the bond. The bond will not pay for that. 
Right. Um, nor salaries. And the bond will be on the ballot in June. For those that uh, that don't know, that's the decision that that your board has made. Yes. Yes. I, I, we have done. We've done a lot of listening. As as Don said, we've been out to school sites. We've asked people for their opinion. We've done two polling surveys, one in July and one in February. And we've also put things online and had a flyer out to people to get their input. And the people are saying, yes, this is important. Our safety of our students is the number one priority, and that's how they're ranking things. They also see we need to rebuild and relocate. And they they see that in specific schools, in specific areas of our communities, we do need to add some new schools, which the developers will pay their fair share. And those are very important to us that we can tell the voters that the developers are paying their fair share. Patrick Sweeney, Don Evans, I thank you both for coming in. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, John. Wine, food, talk. NapaBroadcasting.com.